0: ready for what He wants to release to you and to me. There is a there is a process, there is a way of really drawing and retaining what Holy Spirit is speaking to us that, that really makes it easier to hold on to, and I want to point you in that direction today. Especially in regards to this series, the mountain, the valley, the w- desert, and the wilderness, I encourage you to not assume that that you are going to gather out of our time, our 30 or 35 minutes on Sunday morning of preaching, that you are not going to gather everything. Please don't assume that you're going to gather everything that Holy Spirit is trying to say within that one listening. I encourage you to go to the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast, The Rock of Central Florida. Subscribe there and listen to it again. Why am I telling you that? I'm not telling you that just so we can get our podcast numbers up. That would be nice too. But I'm telling you that because I believe that there's life in it. I believe that there's life in the Word. And when you hear it over and over again, it begins to settle itself and sow seed that you didn't hear. In fact, it was kind of funny because as I was watching, my son did a video from uh, last week. He does one every week. But he did a video, and there was something in there that he put in that video. I don't even remember saying, but it was in that video. And when I saw that video, I thought, holy cow. You know, that is the faithfulness of God. Um, because I don't remember everything that I say, because everything that I say isn't necessarily on my notes. That's why I tell you, follow along in the app, and I'll do the best that I can to stay online. But um, I don't know if that's always, if that will always work. But this series, I believe, is um, a turning point for some folks. I really believe that this is a turning point for people to begin to see some things differently that we have tried to avoid for so long because we believe that these things weren't for believers. When we think of historically or traditionally, when we consider the mountain and the valley, these things we're talking about, the valley, the desert, and the wilderness, when we think of these traditionally through religion, through the ages of religion, when we come across these places, they, don't, they usually do not represent something that's good usually represents something that you want to go around, build a bridge over, or whatever it might be, that you want to get through it, pass it, and avoid it. But I can tell you that that isn't always the truth. And it's important that we understand that there is a time for the mountain, there is a time for the valley, there is a time for the desert, and there is a time for the wilderness. And when that time comes, I don't want to miss the moment. How about you? Somebody say that with me. Say, there is a time, time, and when it comes, comes, I don't want to miss it. it. So I want to start this morning by making this statement as we dive into the second part of this series. The valley is for you. Say this with me. Say, the valley valley is for me. me. Say it again. The valley valley is is for me. Don't believe anything otherwise. You know, when we come to these places in our lives, sometimes people might say, well, man, you, it's, it's a valley, man, you're going to get through it. You know, just, just just you're going to get through it. You're going to get through it. Well, they, it's said in such a way that, oh, man, I just want to run. I want to run and get through this thing and put it behind me. Well, what if, everybody say what if. What if. What if? Say it again. Say what if. What if? Wow, it's such an amazing question. What if. What if the valley isn't something to run through? But what if the valley is, the, is something to build in? What if? Why would I build in the valley? Oh, we're going to find out this morning. Why is it important? I want to say, uh, let me say this first before we dive into the rest of this. Why do we gather and why is there teaching? For those of you that might be watching online or you might be in this house and you've not, you're not a church person, you've not been a part of the kingdom of God for long or maybe at all, maybe today is your first experience or your first, first time that you've been faced with it. Again, it doesn't matter where you're at, whether here or there. And you, you think to yourself, why, why, you know, why does this guy stand up there and why does he teach? Why is he trying to share things with us? Why is he trying to convince me that God is real? I'm trying to because he is. Because He is. I really don't have any other answer. I can tell you that if we understand why we come and why we gather, if we can understand that, we can prepare ourselves to grow and change in our mind and our soul and our spirit. But what I want everybody to know is there's a reason why I stand up in this pulpit every Sunday. And any other time I get an opportunity. There's a reason why I do it. I do it because I believe that the Word of God is true. And I believe that it never fails. And I believe that... If a thousand people gather and only one hears it, the Word of God has done what it's sent to do. I believe that He always knows who the crowd is that's gathered. I believe He always is aware of how many men there are, how many women there are, how many children there are, how many adults there are, how many religious folks there are, how many deniers there are, how many atheists, how many agnostics, how many Buddhists, how many whatever... He's always aware of how many there are and who there are. But he's mostly aware of a people who have an ear to hear and an eye to see. And while we in our mind, we might say, how can God love them? I can tell you that God loves every single person. You need to know this today. If you're listening to my voice this morning, no matter who you are, whether you love him or you trust him or you don't. You need to know today that it doesn't matter how you feel about him. I can tell you very emphatically how he feels about you. You matter to him. He cares about you and He wants to make Himself real to you. Now, He might not make Himself real the way you think He would be real. He might not show up in the form you're looking for. Don't don't be a denier. And when He shows up bringing a truth that you didn't think was truth, don't ignore it. But when he shows up in your life and he shows up in your mind and your spirit and your soul and your body, he shows up in whatever way he shows up while you're driving down the road or you're watching right now just out of curiosity, no matter where you're at, I'm talking to people this morning, I'm talking to people who in every way you've looked for a reason to deny him or maybe you're curious about whether or not he exists, you believe what everybody else says that he does and I want you to know today you matter to God and the message that I'm preaching today. Is a message for you to understand that some of the places that you've been in your life, you didn't get there by accident, but you got there because he led you there. You count those as moments of loss. You count those as moments of failure. You count them as moments of doom and gloom. In fact, you might even blame God for being in those moments and you would be right. It might very well be true that the reason you were in that valley, the reason you experienced that loss, the reason you went through that thing might very well be true that it was God. Because in those moments that we call dark, we call fearful, we call shameful, we call unknown, in those moments, I can tell you God exists. You will not go to a corner anywhere and not find Him. You cannot find a dark spot that He's not in. You can't find a place in your world, in your life, in your dreams where God does not exist. And wherever he exists, I can tell you always his existence includes an outstretched hand. Amen. Always. So let's preach this morning. I want to teach. I don't know if I'm preaching this morning or teaching. What's the difference? I don't know. You decide. I think preaching has more yelling. <laughs> Turn with me in your Bible this morning. So for what purpose, I want to ask this, for what purpose is this series and what am, I hope, what am I hoping you will learn? You know, the other night my wife and I, we were going to bed and we had been laying there for a few minutes and Holy Spirit put something, in, a thought in my heart. And I, I thought, you know, this is a random thought. But it was random. Well, I thought this is a random thought. And then I thought this. I thought, but it's there and, I, and I'm just going to write it down because it, it might actually be God. So I did. So I pulled my phone off in the dark from the side of the bed and I said, hey, Siri. Let's see how many phones go off. My watch just did. Anybody else's? And I said, take a note. And I said this. And to my phone in the dark, laying in the bed, trying to go to sleep, I said, it doesn't matter what size the storm is, it still holds you hostage. It doesn't matter what size the storm is, it still holds you hostage. What do I mean by that? You know, here in Florida... Some of you are watching and you're in places you you have no idea what a hurricane is. You think it's nothing. You know, in here here in Florida, we've learned that it can be something or it can be nothing. But it's usually something's always involved, and that is long lines at the gas station. But what we've learned here in Florida is that if they say a storm is coming and it's going to be here at 3 o'clock on Friday afternoon, it doesn't matter to us. Whether it's a category one, a category two, up to a category four, we're not paying attention so much to the category as we are the potential of running out of electricity, losing our electricity, running out of gas, not having enough bananas and apples, if you're me. Or chips, or as my son would say, during the hurricane party at our house, all we had was sweets. (laughs) He said, all y'all have is sweets. Y'all can't live on this. And we were thinking, watch. (laughs) My wife, if you went to Publix and you tried to get some honey buns or anything like that and they were out, But the thought was, it doesn't matter what size the storm is, it still holds you hostage, hostage in this way. Not hostage in the sense that, um, you know, you don't have options. But no matter what size the storm is, no matter what size it is, we all begin to anticipate what's coming. Suddenly, what did not have our attention a day or two before, suddenly we're captivated by it. Doesn't matter the category. All we know is it's headed this way. We got our TVs on. We're watching Tom Terry. Yeah. Well, my favorite was Fox News, and then the guy left. Uh, I forgot his name, but he left, so now I'm, I'm back to Tom Terry. But he's Tom's good, too. But we got our TVs on. We're beginning to prepare in our mind the potential impacts of this storm, we're beginning to think it through, it doesn't matter how long you've been here, I've lived here a long time, over 30 years, 30, almost 40 years, and we're still thinking, okay, do I need to do this, do I need to do this, we're going out, we're checking our generator, in fact, I said to my wife, even though this storm was going to be a category one, I knew in my mind, there's still the possibility we could lose electricity, so I got to go out there, and I got to clean the gas lines on the generator, became hostage to this thing doesn't matter what size the storm. If it was a Category 5 storm, I wouldn't have done anything different. In fact, we had one that came through what Ian just a a month ago. I didn't do anything different in Ian than I did for Nicole. I did all the same things, made all the same prep, went and got gas, sat in the line as people are lined up loading up their car with gas because you don't want to be that guy. Point being... It doesn't matter what size the storm is, it still holds you hostage. And I want to say this, and this is what Holy Spirit told me, religion is like a hurricane. In the same way, it doesn't matter how great or small the deception is found in religion, many are hostage to it. In the same way as a hurricane, it doesn't matter how great or small the deception is that is found in religion, people are hostage to it. They build their lives on things that are not meant for them. And they run from things created for their purpose. There is a system of religion that is all around us. And in fact, often, too often, it is within us that wants us, you and me, to believe that the mountains and the valleys and the deserts and the wilderness represent difficult places and should be avoided. But should they? Let's clarify what religion is. When you hear me say the word religion, I want to clarify it. I don't want to define religion based on the way uh, Christ defined religion. True religion is doing what I was talking about a moment ago it's ministering to the widow and the orphan and to the outcast. That is religion, it is seeing to the needs. That is true religion. The religion that we think of today when you hear me say religion and you hear me reference religion, religion being like a hurricane, is that religion that does that, but it also it, it adds to it its own plan and its own way and its own rules and its own laws. We sang earlier today in the song, one of the songs that we sang, and we sang about being lawless, coming to Him Lawlessly. There are numerous things that over these last few years, Holy Spirit has been using me to teach uh, our way through things that we had seen in such a way that was, ooh, that's bad, that's bad, only to find out that it's not bad at all. In fact, that word lawless, when we think of that word lawless, we think evil, it's bad. Everything about being lawless is not good. God is not pleased with lawlessness. But I can tell you what he did is he sent his son to eliminate the law. How is it that we don't... I taught on this a few years ago. How is it that we don't see that the reason Christ came was to do away with a law that they could not keep? Men could not keep it. And the Father said, I'm going to redeem man and bring them to a place of lawlessness where law is not necessary for those whose heart is after me. But the first thought when we hear lawless is, oh, that's bad. That's a lawless. that person is lawless. I'm hoping everyone who knows me says, Steve Parker is the most lawless person I know. I love that. Because my heart is after the Father, and I do not require law to honor Him. I don't need a law to remind me when to climb the mountain or to enter the valley. Come on, I'll strike hands with you. Somebody might be wondering, why in the world people get up and strike hands with you? That's just one of the ways that we say amen around here. We come into agreement with what Holy Spirit's releasing. So if you're new here and you're like, I don't know what that is. Now I want to strike hands. Hey, come on. I welcome it. Also... Last year, and I encourage you to go and listen to this. If you've not, if you're newer here, I encourage you to go and listen to this particular service. It's in the Dark Series, It was the, or the Dream Series. It was The title of it is Dream Series. If you look on YouTube, go back to 2021. I, I want to say it was around June of last year, June or July. But I taught a series called Dream. And in that Dream Series, there's one particular message that I taught, and it was the truth about darkness. And I talked about one of those things that, I'm speaking of right now where God begins to use Holy Spirit to help us to see uh, through things that religion has kept us out of. Did not allow us to completely enter into the truth of what it was. Therefore, we were missing something. And I teach in that truth about darkness, I teach about what darkness really is and how it is our friend. In fact, some of the biggest blessings that we have are found within darkness. It is in the darkness where we sleep and our bodies and minds and spirit is refreshed. It is out of darkness that God created everything. It was in that place where creativity happened. And I go on and I share so many different perspectives on what darkness really is. And the truth about darkness is the darkness is not our enemy. What we need to do is interpret darkness correctly. In a religious world, darkness is enemy. Darkness is devil. Darkness is hell. Darkness is Satan. Darkness is unrighteousness. But in the mind of God, that is not true. In the mind of God, darkness has been robbed and hijacked by the enemy. But in darkness, I do amazing and wondrous things, if you can believe me for it. And there's a problem with seeing whether it be darkness or the word lawlessness and whatever else. In this series we're doing now, the mountain, the valley, the uh, desert, and the wilderness... There's a problem with seeing all of these things from the wrong perspective and and seeing them as something that is more related to the enemy than it is to God. And that is this. The Father within all of these things is holding treasure. Within the mountain, Liz, there is treasure. In the valley, there is treasure. In the darkness, there is treasure. In lawlessness, there is treasure. And these things have been earning interest because no one's been accessing these moments. And in the heavens, there's interest being compiled and compiled and compiled. And the heavens are waiting. Who will access these places where I have held up secrets for generations and for eons of time? Who will overcome religion and become lawless enough to believe that God is as much in the mountain and as much in the valley as He is anywhere, as He is in this auditorium on Sunday morning? or as He is in your prayer closet, or wherever it is you go. Does anybody hear me this morning? What does the Father say about these places? Let's talk about it. Turn with me, if you would, please, to Deuteronomy chapter 8. And I want to read a few verses here. This is incredible. So what does the Father say about these places we're afraid to go? Today we're talking about focusing on the valley. Last week we talked about the mountain. If you did not hear last week, go and listen to it. Go on YouTube and listen to the mountain. Let Holy Spirit minister to you through that message. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 7, beginning with verse 7, reads like this. For the Lord your God... Everybody say, "The Lord, Lord my, God. my God. Who's got, my God? Who's got, my God? Is taking you someplace dark and evil." No, no, no. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a... Let's just pause there for a second. Let's make it personal. Say it like this. Say, for the Lord my God, Lord my God is, bringing me is bringing me into a good land. A good land. We'll read on in just a moment. But just consider that for a second. Consider for a moment. He's bringing me into a good land. What's he bringing me through to get me to that good land? Today he's bringing us through a place where we see correctly what a valley represents. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. It is a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs. I love all these things. Flowing out in the valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley. Of vines and fig trees and pomegranates. A land of olive trees and honey. I love all of these things. A land in which you will eat bread without scarcity. In which you will lack nothing. A land. Whose stones are iron. And out of whose hills you can dig copper. There's treasures in the mountains and in the valleys. And you will eat and you will be full. And you will bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. You will bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. I wonder. How often have we come to a place and because in entering into that place there seemed to be a little resistance that we avoided that place and all the while the father was saying you are one step away from the good land. You did not even hear what I just said. How often have we been able to see it? Israel. How often have we been able to look across the river and see it but we did not access it? But it was his promise. Mm-mm-mm. For the Lord your God, I'm going to read it again, is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs flowing out in the valleys and the hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and palm granites. You know, why is he listing all of these things? Because he knew if I will say all of these, somebody will love one of these. That's really not, just throwing that in. A land of wheat and barley of vines and fig trees and palm granites, A land of olive trees and honey. A land in which you will eat bread without scarcity in which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper and you will eat and be full. Anybody want to eat and be full? Full of what? I'm going to tell you there's a lot of hungry people today because they've veered away from the valley. So, not going there because I know what's in the valley. That's where the bears are. Bears are in the valley, the wolves are in the valley. I'm not going in the valley, I'm going around because there's evil in the valley. But all those things in the valley, there's also deer in the valley and lilies in the valley. When I think about the valley, in the life that I can find in the valley, when I can get past the mentality that the valley is not for me, if I can get past the perception that the valley is against me and I can accept that the valley is for me, I begin to recognize the kinds of things that God does in the valley. Remember, David killed Goliath in a valley. He said, I just want to remind somebody of something. He said, listen, Saul, I just want to tell you, I don't know. I don't know really why y'all are running from this guy. I'm really not sure. I don't even care. I realize that there is no high ground in this in the natural, but there is by the Spirit. And I'm going to meet that guy in the valley. I'm going to march right on down in that valley, my little puny self, and I'm going to go find that big self. And I'm going to walk right down there in that valley, and I'm going to take this thing that everybody believes is evil. See, all of Israel, all of the righteous. There's no way we can overcome this. How can we overcome this giant of the Philistines? How can we conquer the valley? Stay out of the valley. And David said, I don't need your robe. I mean, I don't need your armor. I don't need your weapons. I don't need anything you're offering. Give me that valley. You camp out wherever you want to, but I'm going into that valley because I have the word of the Lord. And I'm going to march into that valley, and I'm going to own that valley, and I'm going to take the head off of that giant. And I'm telling you, there's people in this room this morning need to go right on into the valley that you've been avoiding and take the head off of your giant. I'm not going there because that represents a low place, you know, that's a low place in my life. Get right into that low place in your life and dance on the ashes. Come on. Wow, that hurt. <laughs> go sh- Hey, dine yoga. But he killed Goliath in the Valley of Elah. Why did he kill Goliath in the Valley of Elah? Because he did not fear the giant, nor did he fear the valley. Yeah. Right. Hallelujah. David wasn't concerned about the geography, mm-hmm. naturally or spiritually. Yeah. All he was concerned about was, "Do I have the word of the Lord?" Yeah. Yeah. Come on. So, that's right. Come on. Do I have the word of the Lord? Song of Solomon, chapter 2, I want to read that. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 1. It's a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. It's an allegory. Really, all of Song of Solomon is an allegory of church and the, uh, Christ and the church. It's really a... I love the Song of Solomon. I know it gets uh, interesting in a few places. But it's really that relationship between uh, the Son of God, Christ, our Savior, and the church itself. And, and the kind of relationship that we should expect or we should have with Him. But this is an interesting statement. It says in Song Solomon 2.1, you've all heard it, you've all read it, you all know it by heart. It says, I am a rose of Sharon, I am a lily of the valleys. Even Jesus loved the valley. I'm a rose of Sharon and I am the lily of the valley. You want to find me? Find me in the valley. The place you haven't been, the place you've been avoiding in the valley, and you've been outside the valley, looking at this valley, this place of lowliness in your life, this place you don't want to be in. All the while, he said, all I need you to do is say, Christ, where are you in this? Show me where you are in this, and I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to smell the lily. Do they, I don't even know if they smell. But I'm going to sit down by the lily. He loved the valleys. And the very thing that religion wants you to... See, let me tell you why religion outside of ministering to the widow, the orphan, and the outcast is not of God. I'm going to tell you why it's not of God. It's not of God because it creates more fear than it does hope. It draws more lines than it does tear down walls. And anything that does that is not the purpose of God. He said, I am a rose of Sharon and I am the lily of the valleys. He said, what I want you to do is I like this place. Come join me. Can I tell you today in whatever valley is going on in your life or maybe you're not in one today but you'll come to one and you you need to make a decision. You you might go if you have uh, any measure of religion in you that is of the wrong kind of religion, if you have any measure of in you, you'll say, man, it, that's a place I dare not go. I better not go there. That's a low place. I'm not going to get involved in that. And all the while, the father might be saying to you, I want you to get right in the middle of it. Yeah. Oh, but you don't know what's in that thing. There's a lot of challenge in there. There's a lot of struggle in there. There's a lot of memories. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of whatever. And the father says, I know. And guess where I'm at? That's where I'm at. <laughs> you want to be healed? Get down into your valley and find me in it. Yeah. Not outside of it. Find me in that place Are valleys ever the wrong place to be? You better believe it. They are. But there's also life there. Where have you ever been that couldn't be as wrong as it is right? Let me ask you that question again. Where have you ever been in your life that could not be just as wrong as it is right? It's about setting your heart to trust God. What makes a wrong a right? Are there ever valleys I don't need to go into? You better believe it. But when our heart is set to trust the Father, I'm going to honor Him. I'm going to trust Him. And I know that this valley was prepared for me. The lily of the valley is there. Christ is in it. I'm going to enter into this valley because He is there. And what would be wrong without His Word is right with His Word. There's a scripture in Isaiah 26.10, we read it this week during our Bible readings, and when I read it, it jumped out at me, and I want to read it to you this morning. It says, if favor is shown to the wicked, he does not learn righteousness. Isaiah 26.10. Seems like left field from what I'm talking about this morning in the valley, but stay with me for a minute. It says, if favor is shown to the wicked, he does not learn righteousness. Some years ago, a few years ago, my wife and I were in Utah, we went to the parks, we had a really good time, we love the parks, we love the state park, uh, the uh, national parks, Uh, any park. We like to park. And wait a minute. (laughs) We like to park. So let's just back up. (laughs) Anyway, we were at Zion National Park. It's one of our favorites. It is my favorite park. And we were at Zion National Park. And while we were there, there were some things that we wanted to do. We wanted to do Angel's Landing and we wanted to do this place called the Narrows. We were able to do both. We we ascended uh, Angel's Landing, made it all the way to the top. It was wonderful. In fact, I think it was the last year before they um, shut it down, so now you have to make an appointment or, or reserve a spot, and only one person, like six people a day, I think, can do it now. When we were climbing Angel's Landing, um, half of Utah was on the mountain. <laughs> but anyway, Kim and I went to Zion and, and with Jimmy and Jenny, and we were there, and we were sorting out the things that we wanted to do well these were a couple of things that we wanted to do was to go up angels landing and then we also wanted to do the narrows the narrows if you're not familiar with it in zion is a narrow place it is a place between uh two uh, mountains and it is is you look up and i mean hundreds of feet up is just sheer rock just cliff rock and you you enter into this thing it's really really cold water and beautiful beautiful uh the water is shallow in some places deeper in others but but I don't think when we went, it was ever more than maybe belly button deep on me. And, um, and we moved through it. You move. It's just beautiful. It's breathtaking. So as we're walking through this water and we're moving and, and we're going. Funny thing is, while we're going into this thing, I had, uh, they had gotten shoes that were good for that type of hiking. Well, I had my regular shoes that I wear camping all the time and go through water everywhere. Those are the shoes that I had. And I said, I'm just going to wear these. And I get in there, and we had not probably gotten into the river a hundred feet, and the soles of both of my shoes fell off. I had to do that entire hike barefoot. When we got out of there, my soles, don't go, ooh, it was my valley. It was my valley. And uh, (laughs) my bottom of my feet were bruised, but I did the entire thing barefooted on all those stones and rocks and all the way. And... um, but we're moving through this, and we're loving every minute of it. Just track with me. If favor is shown to the wicked, he does not learn righteousness. But there is a time to enter the valley. There's a we need to recognize when the valley is of God, when the valley is is not. And I can tell you what is wicked. Let me define that before I tell the rest of the story. Wickedness is not evil in the sense that this person has an. They're a murderer. Evil, uh, wicked is not in this sense. Um, they're I don't know whatever you fill in the blank all wicked is is anyone who does not believe God period now in our mind it might be oh man that's hard to call someone like that wicked that's what the the interpretation of this word is in this scripture wicked is just anyone that does not put their faith in God So to say it correctly, it would say if favor is shown to those who do not believe in God, he will not learn how to believe in God if favor is shown to them. If you say to them, oh, enter in anyway, then why would they serve him in the first place? There's a point that I'm making with this. So Kim and I are hiking down here. And Jimmy and Jenny, and we're hiking through here. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. We're watching. We get to one place. I don't know how. We've been in there a couple hours. And we, we get to this one place. And all of a sudden, these ropes drop from the side of this cliff. Just four or five ropes drop down. And we look up, and there's people coming up way up there, coming over the edge, rappelling down the side of this thing. We all had a different frame of mind on that. I think Jimmy and I were like, oh, man, we got to do that. And the girls were like, uh, no. Because it was way up there. In the landing outside of the rope just wouldn't be good. But we're looking and we're watching and we're amazed at at all of this, and all of these boulders. And we're moving through here and we're taking in all of this beauty and we're recognizing the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the creativity of God. By the way, he created that in the darkness. Just thought I'd throw that in there. And we're taking all of this in. And by the way, he did it when there were no laws. And We're taking all of this beauty in, and we're absorbing this, and we're drawing out of this, and we're moving through, but we did it because we could, and it was the right time. But what's the wrong time look like? Is there ever a wrong time to be there? Is the valley ever the wrong place to be? What if they had issued a warning and said, flash floods today? which they did the last time that we were there. And we did not go in. You can still go. They didn't close it. But there's a sign there, flash flood warning today. Anybody going in when the warning comes up, when there's no clear path, And you enter in and then the rains come and then the flash flood comes and people drown and people get killed and people get hurt all the time because they ignore the Word. So the right place can be the wrong place. The right place with His Word is the wrong place without it. There are times when we go up to a valley. I don't encourage you in the same as last week. I don't encourage you to climb every mountain. We were talking about that this morning. I don't encourage you to look at every mountain and say, I'm taking that one, I'm taking that one, I'm taking that one. You don't take. We receive the mountain he sends to us. And in the same way we receive the valleys he sends to us. But we don't reject the valley because it's going to challenge us. It's going to cost us something. We don't say to the valley. We don't start praying against it. God, get me out of this valley. In fact, I would challenge some of you that have been praying to get out of the valley, I would challenge some of you to say to the Father, Father, get me into this valley. And let me draw out of this valley everything that you put in it for me to learn. Let me come out when I come out the other side, if indeed I'm supposed to come out the other. Maybe I'm supposed to redeem the valley. The valley is the richest place to be. Full of resources. Green grass. The Nile River. Think of the Nile River. They live along the Nile River. They don't live out in the desert. They live along the Nile River. Because that's where they, the, the soil is fertile. The animals are abundant. The crocodiles. <laughs> but they're abundant. Because it's fertile. And I can tell you today. That when we get these valleys, it's important to you and me when we approach them, not to reject them, but to say, Father, if this is your, your word to me, if this valley is on purpose, go with me. Because I'm going in. And don't in your mind begin to assume that you know all that's going to happen in that valley. Let him let you know what you need to know when you need to know it. Don't formulate in your mind this is what it's going to look like because some bad teaching told you this is what you can expect on every mountain or in every valley. What do we need to learn from this message? It is this that the valley, Scott, is for you. Say it the valley is for me everybody say it the valley is for me now listen it is abundant in fruit and fertile land provision is found in the valley do you know where the Israelites where Joshua and Caleb when they went and they got the grapes do you know where they came from the valley If you find yourself in the valley, don't despise it. Eat its fruit and grow from it. The valley is a place of bounty for those who see with their eyes wide open. It is a place for you and me to learn and to prosper. I find this interesting, this thought. When last week we talked about the mountain, and in the bottom of that mountain there is this valley. And, and again, I refer back to the time when we were in, in Zion. And in, in Zion, the first time that we went, uh, there's snow, or actually, I could use any, when we went to the Grand Tetons, we saw this uh, another time. But there's snow all up on top. And, and, and when you get there and it's in, in the middle of summer and there's no snow melt or anything, it's all done. The creeks are very shallow. The little rivers flowing through the, through the valleys are very shallow. But man, when that snow begins to melt on the mountain, when He begins to allow it to do its thing, when spring has come, it begins to fill those rivers. The fish come alive. The fishing Comes alive, the fly fishing, I love fly fishing, the fly fishing comes alive, life, the deer begin to come, the elk begin to come, everything begins to come back to that place. The connection between the mountain and the valley and being there on time, yeah. wow. yep. so, wow. come on. Yeah. and recognizing when the Father sends you there, That's right. when He sends it to you, when we recognize that, we find life in it. Yes. Don't despise the valley. Yeah. Don't despise the mountain and don't despise the valley. Embrace it. Engage it. If it's His word to you. If you know this is prepared for me. And it's going to prepare me. Engage it. As I said in the very beginning, I'm saying it to you. I'm reminding you right now. The Father knows exactly where you are. And sometimes it's the things that we avoid... Where the lesson he's trying to teach us can actually be found. Enter in. I want to give you a different perspective and I hope you get it this morning. I hope you see it. Don't run. Don't be quick. To get our religious mindset on and run from the provision of God. When it comes own it amen Amen. stand with me if you would please this morning father I lift up my voice over the men and the women of this house I'm thankful for your word I'm thankful for the anointing I'm thankful for Holy Spirit that teaches us that shows us reveals to us all that you want to show us help us today to lay hold of the truths that you are releasing to us help us today to hear and to see and to understand and to know and to be changed in our mind and our soul and our spirit help us today For those who are watching and wondering and they're trying to figure you out, I pray, Holy Spirit, that today they understand and they know that you're not a God that's looking for a thousand ways to hold people back, but you are looking for every way to move people on, to bring them into a place in you, a place of peace, a place of rest, a place of life, a place of hope. Father, be glorified today. We engage you and we engage your word.